Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, it's a brand new year. It's a brand new year in the decade, a brand new year in magic, and I've got a brand new guest to the podcast. Please welcome the Cuban MTGer. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for being on the show. Have you been on any podcasts before? No, this is actually my first one, so I'm actually very excited about this. Very cool. Thanks so much for being on it. I'm always looking for new people to be on the podcast. I like to get a variety of voices on the show. Everyone that's interested in magic is welcome to the podcast is the only stipulation. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, I've I actually listened to a couple of your podcasts, you know, trying to get, um, into, I guess, character, <laughs> um, so I could, uh, see what, you know, how things uh, flowed and such. Yeah. And it was pretty interesting. You know, I definitely like um, the way it goes. And I've listened to a couple of podcasts about uh, MTG and mm -hmm. in general. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a new thing. People are starting to do podcasts uh, mm -hmm. a lot more than um, articles and such, because you could just pull a bunch of information in in one podcast mm -hmm. and you can have somebody, you know, who's driving to work basically just pop that um you know mm. in soundcloud or whatever and listen to it on the way to work that's what i did so well that's what i was just doing a moment ago i have a special event tomorrow and i was going to bring a cheese dip so i was making the cheese dip just a moment ago and listening to a podcast about star trek oh yeah i mean it's it's great because i mean you can just pop it in your car um you know if you're sometimes when i go to tournaments you know a couple of hours away um, I do listen to just a bunch of stuff. There's a uh, YouTube uh, mm -hmm. stuff because I'm a hockey nut. I love hockey mm -hmm. as well. So I listen to a couple of stuff about hockey. Um, if there's a Twitch going on, um, you know, I pop it up or if there's a podcast that um, I've been told, Hey, you know, you should probably listen to this. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good advice and such. Um, I'll pop it up. And it's, it's a really good uh, way for, for people to get information nowadays. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's like a, a medium that's been around a little while, but nowadays with such a variety of podcasts, you're going to find a podcast just about everything. So it's like a, it's like a, just way more content to consume. And that's always uh, very entertaining to be entertained by uh, whatever your hobbies are. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Now, would you like to promote, do any self-promotion, any streams or Twitter accounts or anything like that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, my um, my uh, Twitch is twitch.tv slash the Cuban MTGer, T-H-E-C-U-B-A-N-M-T-G-E-R. And you can also find me on Twitter at the Cuban MTGer. Um, and obviously on Facebook, I'm not the Cuban MTGer. I'm mm. Trisha Johnson, but... Mm. Uh, I mean, you can find me on Twitter, on Twitch. I stream Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, uh, normally on Twitch. And then uh, every once in a while, I'll stream outside of those days. But uh, those are my main set days. Very cool. Uh, I'm glad you were able to get two out of three on the platforms, the names that you wanted on basically all of mine. I'm VM Campos, except for YouTube also. It looks like, uh, you know, both of us didn't quite get the name that we wanted, perhaps. I have to put in a JR, VM Campos JR on YouTube, but everywhere else, I am VM Campos. 
Yeah, um, in Facebook, I mean, I've had my Facebook for a long time. Um, I do have a page on Facebook for the Cuban MTD year, but I do a lot of um, the stuff on Twitch and on Twitter. So mm -hmm. it's mainly on those two platforms that that I like to keep things um, on that side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever works, wherever you can find your audience and then have a good time interacting at. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, if you've heard the previous episodes, you know that like on the person's first appearance, I like to do like a get to know you sort of thing. And so we've got a lot of topics to to talk about, about like just, you know, talking about you and magic and and all of that. So so starting off, how long have you played magic in general? Well, uh, I'm not as as an old bird as you are uh, <laughs> as far as, you know, magic. Uh, you know, I didn't play magic in the 90s, but uh, I started playing magic in 2005, which is when I went to college. Mm -hmm. um, I remember like exactly how it all started too, because I was in the, my university had a game room next to our cafeteria and mm -hmm. I was just meeting some people that I knew and they're like, hey, you know, we're playing magic and i was like hey what 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 is that i've <laughs> i've seen it but i've never you know really got into it or you know have really been explained and they explained the game to me i picked up like a mono white deck and i started playing and that's when the bug hit um i also remember like my first pack um <laughs> ravnica had just come out too um but i bought a pack of uh, kamigawa and i got a pithing needle out of the, hmm. the first pack, which at that time, Python Needle was like a 20 to $30 card. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know. So I just, you know, silly old me traded that card for oh. <laughs> things that uh, there were not $20, $30. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that happens a lot when people first start off that they just know about or care about playing with the cards and then maybe if it's like well i don't really know how to use this card i'll just trade it or give it away for something that i do want like a really cool 6-6 six, six creature uh okay. so um i think that happened with me a few times as well back in the beginning i, I don't remember exactly what cards it might have been but i do remember trading cards and like you said uh, uh you know on my one of my previous episodes and i often mention yeah i played in the 90s from around 95 to 99 stopped for a long time until 2017 so yeah, i missed yeah. it when you were playing original original ravnica and and that sort of thing so did you ever take any breaks in in your magic play or did you start in 2005 and keep going no i started in 2005 and and kept going um i did take a paper break um while I was in college because there was not a lot of places to play paper magic. So I did a lot of magic online mm -hmm. during that time. I drafted a lot. Um, I played uh, extended and uh, legacy a lot in magic online. But um, during that time, it was, it was mainly a paper break. Um, I remember when Jace mine sculpture got spoiled and I was in college, mm -hmm. unfortunately. <laughs> um, and I knew that card was going to be super good. And I, I still to this day, like just hate the fact that I was in college and I was a broke college mm -hmm. student that could not capitalize on the financial gain mm -hmm. of, uh, of that card mm -hmm. in, uh, in magic. But, um, when Jace, uh, the mind sculpture came back or came out, um, that's when I started getting back into paper magic um, because the shops around my area kind of started popping up a little bit with more paper tournaments and people actually started playing magic 
around um, my college town because my college town was very very small mm-hmm. little town. Um, but um, there was more Magic players during that time. But uh, that's the only really break that I took, and it wasn't. It's not even a break. It was just I'm not playing paper Magic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really cool. Uh, I think you're one of the people that has had one of the longest streaks of playing. Uh, I've had a few people that also started in the 90s, but I think most people take a break, either like their uh, school education, uh, either their school situation changes or monetary situation changes, or they move on to some other games that shall not be named. And so uh, <laughs> people often come back, but it seems like from 2005 to now, which which is that's 15 years pretty non-stop playing magic in some form or another huh yeah yeah i've been playing since 2005 uh, i mean it's it's been a wonderful i've i love the card game in itself um i used to play chess when i was a little girl and there's obviously you know it's two different types of games but it's mtg is a strategy game and chess is a strategy game as well so that's what drew me a lot mm-hmm. into the game and um, I, I very well enjoy it. Um, I enjoy a lot of color uh, color combinations now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I pretty much play anything and everything in standard that, that I can put my hands on. Mm-hmm. Well, which would you say in general of all of the many formats we have nowadays, might you lean towards playing the most? Well, right now um, it's definitely standard because I have a lot of options to play standard. Um, I have a feeling that pioneers kind of take over that um, probably sometime soon as mm. as it grows as a format. I'm hoping it grows as a format and you know everybody embraces it like they are now. Um, but it's it's mainly been standard nowadays. Now I used to be really I used to be really into modern and legacy, but mm. um, there's not that many tournaments around that um, that are around my area that. Mm-hmm have modern and legacy as the format. So unfortunately, um, I do not like magic online anymore. <laughs> and I stopped playing magic online, um, unless I am testing for a grand prix or such. And I moved to magic arena, um, which at first I was a little bit hesitant on it. And, um, but now I'm actually embracing the, the client and mm-hmm. I hope, um, that Wizards of the Coast actually gets rid of Magic Online altogether mm-hmm. and just puts it all in Arena. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the end goal for them, um, but I think they're trying to figure out to figure out a way how they are going to do the change without upsetting a lot of people in the community. Yeah, I think if they're able to hit all of the bullet points that people want, which is basically all the cards or as many as the good ones on Magic Arena, if they have it be affordable, if they have it be um, accessible, I think people would transition over to play Magic Arena. I think people holding on to Magic Online right now, they're like, well, I want to be able to play with any cards that I want in existence, but how many cards do people really play consistently out of the 20,000 that exist? So if um, uh, Watsi is able to put enough of what people want on Arena, I think people will flock over. Yeah, I, the one of the things that I was looking at the other day is um, uh, Wizards of the Coast mentioned that they're working on getting Pioneer yeah. and uh, the eight-person drafts on uh, Magic Arena. And I think that's going to be their their kind of bridge into the other formats. And they're going to see how that uh, works well in Magic Arena. And maybe 
kind of get the community to support uh, support them in that transition. And mm-hmm. eventually, I see it. I see just one big client. And Arena is just so much. Uh, it feels better than Magic Online. Um, and mm-hmm. I've played Magic Online for years. Mm-hmm. And when an Arena came out, I was a little bit hesitant. Because, I mean, once you see Magic Online and you've played Magic Online for years, you say... Uh, I was kind of scared to try something new. Yeah. But uh, once I tried it, I tried it for a month. I said, I'm going to try this for a month. Like, really try it. If I don't like it, obviously, you know, I can go back to Magic Online. But uh, if I do, I'm, you know, going to embrace it. And I did. And I see it. I see it in the future. I see Magic Arena being the the one client that WotC does. The one client that rules them all. Yes. One client that rules them all. Hmm. Well, I got back into Magic in late 2017, and shortly thereafter, towards the end of the year, they started to announce, we've got a brand new version of Magic to play with, a new digital version. So in early 2018, I requested the beta access, but I didn't get it until April. So I did play from around January 2018 to April 2018, some Magic Online, and it was fine, but you know, I needed to buy cards, and I didn't want to buy cards because I still felt like I want to spend on real paper cards. And then when I got the invite in April 2018, then I started to play nonstop, and I haven't touched my Magic Online account since like April 2018, unfortunately. Uh, how long would you say you've been playing on, on Magic Arena? Um, I've been playing on Magic Arena for about a year and a half, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get the beta. I didn't get into beta, but, uh, I got to Magic Arena shortly after. Um, I think one of my friends sent me an email or, or some sort of code or something mm-hmm. that, that got me on Arena. Um, I'm not 100% sure, um, how, how I got in there, but I got in there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I told, um, I told myself, you know, I was going to try it, really try it for a month. And... I really like the fact is I, I did play Hearthstone a little bit to, to see if I really liked the game. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of my friends were playing Hearthstone at the time, and uh, some some still do. And they they said, you should try this um, Hearthstone. It's, it's not like Magic Online. You know, you can craft um, cards and you can do all kinds of things. You don't have to pay as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can really grind for for your for your cards. And I really like the fact that Wizards of the Coast uh, did the Hearthstone approach with Magic Arena. Um, and I'm pretty sure other players have to agree with me. Mm. It's really nice to just be able to, you know, if you don't if you don't want to play a constructed event on Arena and pay, you know, 2,000 gold or, or whatnot, you can just get on ranked or, mm. or even, you know, just a friendly game. Mm-hmm. and just play without having to pay two tickets or 10 tickets mm-hmm. or such like you have to do it on magic online um or you know say uh call in a friend and say hey mm-hmm. you know you want to jam some games but that gets old after a while um i mean i love playing with my friends um on magic online and on magic arena right now but um I want to be able to play against other people hmm. because sometimes, you know, if you know your friends, you know what their tendencies are. Yeah. And um, that really doesn't help you in competitive play um, yeah. when you're going to a Grand Prix, you know, just because one person tends to do something 
doesn't mean that another person does uh, the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm always trying to figure out um, ways that people play and um, just what kind of tendencies they have. If somebody does this, then, you know, are they more likely to do something else or are they more likely to do this or that? Mm-hmm. Basically. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's really cool that getting on Magic Arena Ladder especially exposes you to some of the best players out there. And they may not be like some of these well-known names, but I play against people that have like some of the funkiest names uh, on their avatars. And I'm like, wow, this person's really good. They're like playing really well. They're getting the cards that they need. They're getting the strategy working. And it really forces a person to up their own game. I know that if I want to climb the ladder, I've got to be on my game, make no mistakes, um, play optimally every turn. And it can be, uh, you know, daunting to know um, every opponent that I'm going to play is going to play the best. So I better play the best. But then I just switch over to casual player, whatever, and play some fun jank decks just to uh, switch things up. But I think it's really cool to be able to play with just about anyone all over the world 24 hours a day uh, on Magic Arena. Oh, yes, it's it's great. Um, I mean, I, I, um, I've actually made mythic a couple of times. Oh, congrats. And, um, thanks. Thanks. It's the, the ladder is definitely there. And, um, when you hit mythic, you, you are playing against pretty much the best players in the world. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, you play against Brad Nelson and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, Autumn Burchett, like it's, Mm -hmm. it really depends. Um, you know, the, the, the standard rank, um, uh, I guess, wheel pairs you with you know somebody mythic and mm-hmm. but um i actually with my stream i started to um i knew that i could do that and i've done that in the past but um the way that i took my stream and the way that i'm doing uh, arena now is i'm actually um trying to help out some of my viewers because some of my viewers have uh some weird decks and they they want me to try out and they want to see how I play the decks mm. um, different than they do. And, you know, maybe some suggestions. Um, mm. I do get hit up with a lot of suggestions for, for decks and mm. such. And what I've started to do is kind of take it the way that um, I, I watch a lot of Amy Zonian's uh, stream mm-hmm. and kind of take her approach um, and just play, you know, some some stuff that my my viewers send me and just have fun with it and give them some pointers and tips so they can you know get up to mythic Um, because i I know i can do it um and i know that some of my viewers can do it and i'm just kind of helping them get to that ladder um without having to necessarily like take losses and such Mm -hmm. because you know they're trying out a card and seeing that oh this is not gonna work or this card works well now i know like six losses later (laughs) so i'm trying to get them the ladder to be a little bit easier for them um Mm -hmm. when i'm trying out some of these decks that they send me and i mean one example is in the early stream uh one of my um one of my good friends sent me a deck a teamer ramp deck and he says well put the blue finale in there Mm. you know to to draw a million cards. I don't know. <laughs> to, to to grab a million cards. And I said, no, 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 no. The um I I mistakenly put the green finale in there because uh. that's what I thought he was he, he was talking about. <laughs> but uh he's like, no, no, it's 
it's supposed to be the blue finale. Yeah. And he told me, yeah, like you, you draw a million cards and you just play a million stuff because uh, you have the the drive that taps for that makes your stuff tap for more mana and you have Nisa. So you're going to draw like a ton of cards. Mm-hmm. You have expansion explosion to just kill them. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You, you can do finale, the green finale too. You don't mm-hmm. even need the the blue the blue finale in the deck. Mm-hmm. Keep the expansion explosions as your you know win con too, but you can put another win con in the in the green finale and put the the seven seven boar mm-hmm. that gives just stuff trample, and I mean, it was great because just a little bit after that, um, I actually hit somebody for a hundred and eighty six points of damage. <laughs> on arena mm-hmm. um so in the early access I mean, they probably were not too happy about that <laughs> mm, possibly but let's segue into something you just mentioned there the early access streamer event uh that's how we both uh sort of met in there that's how i reached out to you uh so mm-hmm. quick shout out to wizards of the coast for having us both on that early access streamer event we were in the theros beyond death early access streamer event on january 15th so we were some of the few lucky people all over the world that got to play the early theros cards did you uh make any decks that um really capitalized on the new theros cards um i had some decks that were submitted by some of my viewers um i had a mono black devotion deck Mm -hmm. with a little bit of a white splash for uh things like oath of kaya and the kaya ghost assassin in the sideboard Mm -hmm. um and he had D Sparks um, in the sideboard as well, and he also had Karn in the deck. He had the Karn, uh, the Great Creator uh, package for Bola Citadel in the sideboard as well, kind mm-hmm. of as an alternate win condition. Mm-hmm. So I got to play some of that. Um, my friend as as well sent me the Seema Ramp deck list. I um I was um, looking at Jerry Thompson's uh, Mono Blue Devotion mm-hmm. that he posted a couple of days earlier. And I played some of that. Um, I played a Simic Ramp deck. And I mean, it was, I really hate myself because I (laughs) I told myself I was going to try to get some sealed and some drafting in there. But most of it was just (laughs) me throwing down in standard Uh because it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm very thankful that Wizards of the Coast gave me the opportunity. And I hope I get the opportunity again. Um, in the next uh, early access event mm-hmm. and i'm sure gonna try to to get in there but uh it was a lot of fun i i enjoyed some of the early decks um i did have a bant enchantress deck as well mm-hmm. that that i play with euro and um archon of sans grace and the dryad and calyx mm-hmm. and all kinds of mm-hmm. enchantments um and that was a lot of fun there's there's a couple of people playing that deck um i did not uh i did see a mono white deck (laughs) that um during the early access stream that i really liked but um i didn't get to play that was that maybe with heliod yeah it was with heliod it's it's basically uh life gain (laughs) with uh, linden the steadfast queen and um it plays the the daxos it plays healer's hawk uh johnny's pride mate (laughs) and um I mean, when I started playing Magic, I played Mono White, so I I said, well, this this can be a thing. Uh, Mono White uh, actually got the cards in this set to, <laughs> to become good again. Um, I mean, last time we saw that was in Ixalan when you had Legion's Landing. Mm-hmm. 
I saw people during that early access that they were trying to make that Heliod work, and it was pretty impressive that even when it's not a creature and you're gaining that life, it's giving another creature plus one, and you can really get out of hand, put a little evasion on those on those creatures, and it's even worse. So it was pretty cool to get uh, that access, that early access. Uh, did you say if you had done it before, or was this your first one? No, this is my first one. Um, I I just happened to, to kind of stumble into... I I think we have to submit a request or something yeah. and I submitted a request and I was like, well, I probably won't get it, but hmm. you know, might as well hey, try. I, might as well try and I was I was very happy when I got the email that said, "Hey, you're, you know, you're going to be in the early access." Mm. And I was jumping up and down. And you wanted to tell everyone, in. but you couldn't because the email said confidential. Yes. <laughs> so, um I I eventually got to tell um my viewers, hey, you know, I'm going to be in the early access event. Um, and it's kind of weird because um, the the email that had the Discord link said, oh, this is this link is confidential. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, they're really going all out for yeah. this. You can't even get on the Discord. Um, and to be honest, there was not really much in the Discord that, that could, uh, I guess, make it confidential or whatnot but uh well i guess they just want I, to make it such an exclusive club so yeah. that to incite entice people hey sign up to be one of these possible early access people and just maybe make more hype for the game but um yeah i think this was let me see let me count this was my fourth one so lucky for that thanks you thanks wizards on that again i also like applied for it and i didn't hear for it for months and months and then they yep. said okay we'll we'll have you in for the um war of the spark that was the first one that i did war of the spark and then after that was course of 2020 and then mm -hmm. throne of eldraine and now and now this one now what i like that they've improved at every time that i've been in it is they've given more time for for limited uh it was like literally like one hour or like two oh, hours God. the first few times yeah and then this time it was from like uh, i don't know 11 a.m to like 7 p.m or something pacific yeah it was like half a day it yeah. was pretty good actually i i like the fact that um because i mean there's there's people that enjoy that that aspect of of the card game they enjoy playing limited mm -hmm. and they want to see what's broken and sealed and you know mm -hmm. what works in sealed what works in draft mm -hmm. um just to get ready um i know there's a gp i think this coming weekend that is limited so um those people that are early access um just giving them that that amount of time especially with the pool of players that is allowed in the early access event mm -hmm. because i know a lot of pros are in that um event mm -hmm. and some actually go in the limited side to to kind of see what's going on mm -hmm. so it's you get to play against you know pros i played against saffron olive twice <laughs> uh during that event so <laughs> Yeah, I uh, as the as they were shutting down the um, the Discord server, I was just scrolling through all the names there that were live and taking a few screenshots because it's like, hey, I'm a I'm on a Discord server with Gabby Sparts. I'm on a Discord <laughs> server with, with Brian Kibler, and it's like, wow, that's so cool. So I took those little mementos off of that. But yeah, that was a really cool event. Hopefully, they have us both back for the, the next one in um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ikoria Behemoths Ikoria. or something like that, right? Yeah. Oh, I hope so. I, I want to be, I want to, I want to have access. Like if I can be in that next one, I definitely want to be in it. Mm -hmm. um, usually um, I, I've, one of my friends has been um, in the early access event before um, and he was part of it this time around as well. Mm 
And he says usually if they give you uh, the if if you qualify for one or if they have you um, do one, if you ask for the the ones afterwards, they usually give it to you. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I hope they do. I hope mm-hmm. I hope I come back and and do that event. That was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm thanking Watsi once again, and I've thanked them so many <laughs> posts <laughs> on my Facebook, Twitter, and such. Um, for for le- making this happen because yeah. a lot of my viewers were were very happy to see that that happened to me very cool yeah now on our next question i probably know the answer but that i'll ask it anyway so then it segues into another question what skill level would you consider yourself beginning intermediate advanced or somewhere in the middle on any form of magic um, I'm actually in between intermediate and advanced. Um, I consider myself a semi-pro just because mm-hmm. of um, the success that I've had, um, both in arena and magic and paper. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I'm trying to to get the grind <laughs> um, as well. Uh, I just started uh, this past year. I started back on the SCG tour, um, and I'm trying mm-hmm. to do all the SCG tours um, that are decently close to me so i'm starting to get back on that grind um i was in that grind a few years back but uh now i'm kind of back on it um and man scg tour um there's some stiff competition in those in those mm-hmm. tournaments it's it's like a mini grand prix <laughs> yeah i bet one of the challenges I, i'm not uh up to your level of, of of the grind and such but from all the podcasts that i hear and the articles that i read and the commentary and such it seems like yeah you know it's pretty it's a grind it's a challenge but it's worth it in the end but unfortunately it also seems that part of the challenge is kind of understanding watsi's position on organized play nowadays they keep kind of changing it up every few months unfortunately and putting people off balance and it looks like they're shaking things up enough to keep it um consistent for 2020 so hopefully i'll see your name there on some of these on some of these big play showings yeah i was i was not very happy with wizards taking the grand prix vise away mm-hmm. um that that was uh one of my reasons why we'd go to grand prix events because i have two buys so mm-hmm. i would just go you know hey i have you know two round buys let's go and it just made the day a little bit easier, but um, I mean, you do have to work for it. Yeah. So, um, and you know, some of my friends are like, "Oh, you have two buys, you know, you're not working hard enough." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> I actually worked for those two buys. Yeah. I worked hard for them." Um, and I always tell them, you know, you can too. You can you can work um, and get those two buys as well. But it does make your day a lot easier on these longer um, tournaments yeah to to have those those available to you so i was really bummed when wizard said oh we're taking those away that's one of the reasons why i'm starting to go into the scg tour and trying to hit the tournaments that are um decently close to me Mm -hmm. well if you lean towards the advanced level what sort of advice would you give to new players just starting off in magic um the best advice in I can give to new players is to try to um, try to play the game in a way that you're thinking ahead. Um, you want to mm-hmm. always think ahead, um, and you want to know 
what can blow you out? Mm -hmm. uh, what is one card that if your opponent plays and you're not able to stabilize in a couple of turns, what is that card and what's gonna, um, what do you need to do to, to make sure that card doesn't hurt you as bad? Or um, what do you need to do in order to, to win the game before that card comes down? Um, funny story. I was in Las Vegas for the Grand Prix last year, and um, I got one of the packages that came with uh, a standard, you know, constructed or the constructed event vouchers. Mm -hmm. So I played some of those. This was, of course, when uh, Feel of the Dead was still <laughs> in standard and not banned <laughs> with Golos. Mm. And I was playing five color Golos. Um, I knew that deck backwards and forwards. I knew exactly what um, what I needed to do against certain decks, mm -hmm. what cards I needed the most, um, and what cards um, mattered less, how I needed to sideboard. That's one of the things that, as a new player, you should definitely try to figure out. Once you figure that out, <clears throat> and it takes sometimes it takes years for players to, to yeah. see this, but uh, if you figure that out early in the game, uh, and early in your magic career, you're going to be so much better. Mm -hmm. And that's something that um, I see sometimes when I hear someone's name and people say, oh, they're, they've only been playing for two years. Oh, they've been playing for six months. Look at what they're doing now. Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you those players are, are actually looking at the game in a whole completely different way um, than newer players are. Yeah, similar to chess, where you mm -hmm. move one piece at a time, but you still have to think in terms of several exactly. pieces ahead. Like, what if they move this rook over here? And I'm just making things up because I don't know chess. You move this rook over here, and then this pawn over there, and then your horse moves over there. Exactly. It's the same. It's the same thing as chess. Like, you have to think ahead. And then there's sometimes that um your opponent is not gonna play the correct play that mm. they should have played even though like they may have a brazen bar hand and you know that it's probably there you know and you play around it um and you know you get to play a card and you're like oh this is gonna get you know petty theft away like i just know it mm. but they don't do it so like what do you do in that mm -hmm. scenario you know it's it's those those scenarios that pop up um once you know what to do um you're gonna be a much better player and it took me years to figure this out because nobody told me yeah <laughs> um nobody told me this but uh i figured that out because i mean i used to play chess and and i said well people do think in the same way that they do with chess mm -hmm. uh it's very close so that helped me get from, you know, the beginner player that I was at that time to, you know, the intermediate player. And you know, I'm sitting here now kind of in between hmm. intermediate and advanced. I think that's very good advice to think ahead, because as a beginner, maybe you just see these are the cards in my hand. Here's what I can do now with them. Should I use this, you know, kill spell right now? Should I draw my card right now? Or should I play that, you know, opt at the end of my opponent's turn so I see what else happens and so forth. Uh, so looking ahead definitely is a more advanced technique that with time with practice comes mm -hmm. comes to you i was playing earlier today a game of commander with three other people that were uh, very good 
and I had to just kind of wait and see uh, around the table because I'm kind of an aggro player. I don't really play traditional red aggro, but uh, I like to kind of play my moves fast. And um, so I had to kind of hold it back. I was playing a mono black deck with uh, with Ayara as the commander because I was kind of also mm-hmm. doing a little bit of you know life drain stuff. So I was kind of letting everyone else kind of beat each other up, and then the two brothers on the table were beating themselves up a little too much. I guess you know they they have their sibling rivalries uh, on the table as well. Uh, and then so I was just waiting for everyone to do their stuff, and then by the end, well, one player got knocked out. It was against the two brothers against me, and then I was seeing okay, so one brother who's the real aggro player, he's probably gonna go aggro against his other brother i'll let them take care of each other a little bit and then by the end i ended up beating them both by um popping my bolus's citadel for 10 permanents um and took out uh the less aggro brother and then when it came back to the aggro brother and he couldn't quite do anything on his turn well it came back to my turn and then i I uh, cooked my cat in the oven and then brought it back by giving it the cat food. And then that final (laughs) bit of uh, uh, life damage, well, it was two damage because an Ayara was on the table. Um, So yeah, that was waiting and planning ahead. I could have, you know, tried to take things out, uh, dominate things in a way that was, that made me very obvious, but I kind of held back, let things happen and then reacted to them. So thinking ahead. Yes, exactly. It's, it's very good advice. And I mean, one other thing is um, if, Let's say you're playing blue, because um, I know mono blue devotion is, is decent in this new set. You're playing against a green player, um, and you know them blue is decent out there. And when you go to sideboard, you know that um, most of the time they're probably gonna have sh- shifting ceratops. Mm-hmm. You know, against you're playing against a green player or somebody that is green in their in their deck, so. I mean, those Aether Gusts um, are going to mm-hmm. be key. And it's little things like that. Uh, you kind of have to anticipate what their what their sideboard looks like. Um, and some of that is just research, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at deck lists. Um, I, I actually played uh, the modern uh, SCG tour in Knoxville. And I was playing Bant Snowblade. And one of my opponents said that um, he, what was he playing? I'm not 100% sure what he was, um, I can't remember what he was playing. But he said that his teammates did not prepare him for Bant Snowblade. Hmm. And I told them, well, the best advice I can give you right now, you know, since we're in the middle of the tournament, is just like, take, take um, you know, the 20 minutes that we have go in a site like MTG Goldfish and look at the modern events that have been, you know, fire, like the, the top decks of that and just look at what they look like mm-hmm. and what they have in sideboard and what you need to do to beat them. Yeah. And the guy's like, hmm, you're right. I, I didn't think about that. And I said, yeah, man, that's that should be part of your regiment mm-hmm. when you're preparing for a big event like this. And um, you need to do it. Um, pretty much every day just in case a new deck pop, pops up it goes um, it just goes back to the classic knowledge is power yes absolutely knowledge is very very powerful especially in magic nowadays mm-hmm. it's not like in the old days uh where the information was harder to come by like it had to be printed in those old classic things called magazines yeah the scry magazines yeah the scry uh dual list and all of that yep. or if you were really high tech you were going to go onto this thing called usenet on the internet 
Uh, but nowadays you can get this stuff on so many websites and keep up to date and follow people on Twitter and, and even get, you know, uh, straight from the horse's mouth, you know, Mark Rosewater is very active on online and uh, Melissa DeTora and Gavin Verhey and all of these people you can see uh, straight from wizards, you know, their perspective and just knowledge is power. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, that's how you come across some new decks too. Um, and sometimes, you know, not doing that little bit of research can win you a game or even a match mm -hmm. um, against somebody that, you know, is picking up a, a deck that's that they heard and, you know, on the back channel. And if you've seen that back channel as well, um, you know, you kind of know what to expect um, from that deck. And if you really dug into the deck, you know what beats you and you know what doesn't. So mm. you know what cards that you need to, to combat and what cards you can say, oh, you know, I can let them have this. Um, I don't need to take care of this right away. And then, you know, if somebody puts an Ashiok Dream Render out and <laughs> you have stuff in your graveyard or yeah. you don't want them to mill you out, you're like, yeah, I need to take care of this uh, of this Ashiok right now. Yeah, they're affecting a vital piece of my strategy. Exactly. So at the moment, we've got around 1,300 cards in standard that we can play on Arena. Um, are there any that stand out to you that you would say perhaps are your favorite, either power level or the lore behind it or art or anything like that? Um, well, one of my favorite cards, um, right now, um, and it's not one card, is the combo, the cat combo with Corvold, Ferlacrum, <laughs> Witch's Oven, and Gilded Goose. Yeah. I don't know what Wizards was thinking when they printed that whole shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially Ferlacrums and Corvold, that makes you draw stuff. And then you have Mayhem Devil, which makes yeah. you shoot your opponent stuff because this is one damage to any target mm -hmm. i don't know what wizards was thinking um and i do have to ask myself that they probably didn't put a lot of um i'm not gonna say a lot of thought but like maybe things didn't get to play right in their r d department mm -hmm. um because we saw bandings you know with oko mm -hmm. with once time um it's maybe the power level of standard is is getting close to modern and pioneer and i mean do we want that um i know a lot of standard players really don't mm -hmm. and i see it in the new theros uh, as well with uh with the dryad and and simic ramp it's mm -hmm. simic ramp is very decent is that the one but... with the with the naked guy chilling on the tree Yes, um, the the dryad. I can't remember what the actual full name is, yeah. but um, I'm I'm actually very happy that that card got printed and that the power level of that card is is really good. Um, mainly because of who drew the artwork of that card. Uh, Scott Murphy is the artist of that card, and I actually own a couple of his uh, artwork. So I was very happy that they finally gave him something that people are going to be playing. Because um, he's had stuff in the past, but there's not been anything really, really like 
on that power level that he he got to make the art for. So mm. I'm very happy that he's getting the spotlight uh, as far as a magic artist um, in this game. But yeah, the the good part is that I think Mono White and Mono Blue have um, the Simic ramp, you know, kind of give it a little bit of, of a challenge for, for those decks. So maybe the... I mean, we just have to kind of wait and see. Mm over the next few weeks but right now i think standard i don't think anything is going to get banned super fast like they did with throne Hmm. but if i see if if i have to call for a ban i think that dryad is going to get banned at some point in time Hmm. um if something doesn't happen that if people don't come up with a way to kind of get I guess, uh, harness it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's interesting that nowadays, because we've got like the digital version of cards, like Mm -hmm. the original safety valve for these cards were the rarity. Like here's a rare or a mythic. And I always read about and hear about in podcasts from those in the know that Richard Garfield designed the game that, well, higher rarities, people would see them less. He didn't expect people to own four black lotuses. So it's like, yeah, let's not worry about it. It gives you a lot of great mana, but it's rare. No one's going to have it. Well, nowadays with it being (laughs) digital, uh, you can craft wild cards. And I've got four of that dry. So I looked it up. It's Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Elysian Grove. And what's so cool, okay, it's a three mana. Okay, it's a creature. It's a two-four. Three mana, two, four. Yep. So it's got, it's got, it can block. And then it's got, you can play an additional land. So, okay, faster mana, that's always good. And then it basically it's does sort enchantment. of, yeah, it's an enchantment creature. So there's synergy there. And then it's a basically got the sort of chromatic lantern effect as well. Mm-hmm. So, so much for three mana. And it, like, I don't even, in, in arena, I don't even realize the rarity of things because you could just craft them with wild cards. And I'm not saying that I'm like, I'm so rich with wild cards, but the idea is once you get a wild card, you can get any card you want. Whereas in real life, there's a real outlay of real money. And even if you do magic online, well, you've got ticks and all of that, which are tied to real money. So it's just crazy nowadays with arena that, you know, rarity doesn't, isn't even a deterrent anymore. I have four Nexus of Fates in a deck and in real life, you'd have to get them from the buy a box. And that wasn't any deterrent either oh i i actually had to um to to get lucky with nexus fate um i always try to support my local game stores first and foremost Mm -hmm. um and one of my own one of my uh, local game store owners um had the because he he sold the the boxes and you know the nexus of fate Mm -hmm. and some people were like i'm not gonna play this card they were casual players. Uh, they didn't play EDH, so they're like, oh, "I'll just sell it back to you." Mm-hmm. So I was I was lucky to get my playset of Nexus of Fate nice. from from my local game store owner. Yeah, um, and I said, "Hey, look, I can get these on TCG for this much. Um, you know, can can we do the same?" Yeah, but yeah, I definitely understand. Like, it's you have to to kind of go out there and get them. Um, it's a little bit different in Arena, obviously, because you have the wild cards and you can craft you know if you have a mythic wild card you can craft any mythic in the in in the game or if you have you know a rare wild card craft any rare in the game i wish i could do that in with, real life yeah <laughs> i wish we get mythic uh you know like a mythic um a wild card thing in our packs and, and go up yeah. to a store owner and say hey <laughs> i would like a nexus of fate please yes. but no that doesn't happen yeah 
one of the cards that I'm liking isn't a isn't a rare or a mythic, but I never played with it in the original block, but now I see the light. I'm really enjoying Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Uh, oh, so Gary. I'm trying Gary in a, in a mono black shell at the moment. There's, you know, which is uh, a, cal- a Cauldron Familiars in there. And what else mm-hmm. is there? Timoret. Ayara, probably. The, yeah. Are you playing Ayara? Uh, yes, Ayara's in there too. And all, all of that. So I'm still seeing how I like it myself. Oh, and then also Nightmare Shepherd, which, uh, you know, makes mm-hmm. the token that you exile and such. Um, yep. So that one's that one's being pretty fun for me because I seem to gravitate either towards Demir or Orzhov decks or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the common the commonality there is black. So I said, well, let me try a mono black uh, because people were saying that mono black devotion back in the day of original Theros was cool and it might be coming back. So I'll, I'll give it a shot there. And then also Bolas of Citadel. Uh, so mm-hmm. I did close out a few games recently with Gary dropping in with a lot of devotion and uh, my opponent uh, getting that, those final points of damage. Yeah, um, in the early access event, I played that uh, Black Devotion deck with a little splash of white. Uh, it was very, very light splash. It was a couple of cards. Um, and he had the Karn package. And, you know, I fetched the Bull of Citadel out of my sideboard with Karn, mm-hmm. put it out. I was at seven life. I had a Yara <laughs> out. And I just started chaining uh, stuff. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, Gary is on top of my deck. And... <laughs> I can play him because I have enough life to do it. And the Cauldron Familiar is a free play, by the way, with yeah. Bolas of Citadel. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, obviously you're you're not gaining life at that point, but you're taking your opponent for a life, which, you know, when you're you're chaining stuff with Bolas Citadel, you need to try to get as much, you know, especially with Gary being a possibility of, a, you know, being on top of your deck and, you want to be able to just kill him. Mm-hmm. Gary was was a lot of fun in Theros, and I think the mono black devotion deck is better now than it was in. Oh, really? Yes. Now, would you maybe have answered it already, or would are you able to pick a favorite deck? I know you've mentioned several so far, but which is the one that's stood out? I don't have a favorite deck right now. Um, I've been playing on Arena. Um, I've been playing mono black and devotion. Um, I've played a little bit of mono white um, with the Heliod, and it's basically mono white life gain. I've played Tima Ramp, Simic Ramp, mm-hmm. and I've actually also played Esper Hero um, with mm-hmm. Ashiok. There's nothing that I've um, obviously Jun Food, which is still a deck. Um, mm-hmm. There's nothing that really has <clears throat> kind of said, "Hey, this is your deck." Yeah. Yet. Um, I've also, for, for shits and giggles, uh, I've, um, <laughs> I made this emergency powers deck hmm. with underworld dreams and it's, it's just a very fun casual deck, but, uh, it's Esper with emergency powers. It plays Kai's wrath, time wipe, and then you just play underworld dreams and emergency powers and they take seven huh. <laughs> and they draw seven. But there's there's not really a, a deck right now. Uh, the format's still too early. I'm still trying out stuff. Um, one of my favorite decks uh, before Theros came out was a Doom Foretold kind of mm-hmm. stacks decks. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the Esper stacks. 
it was uh, black white stacks that oh. it played Kaya's, it played um, Kaya's Wrath, Doom Foretold, Golden Egg, um, Mortifies, and uh, Basilic Bell Haunts, mm-hmm. but um, and Cavalier of, of Dawn. But I mean, I kind of want to make something like that work, um, but I need to. I need to see what this format is going to be like mm-hmm. before um, I try to kind of dwindle into how I'm going to build that deck. Because mm-hmm. I want to make something like that again. And I think with a lot of enchantments and Theros, like, yeah. it can be a lot better than it was. But, um, I mean, it, it, it almost got me to Belgium <laughs> mm-hmm. for the Players Tour. Wow. So, um so I kind of want to try something like that in in standard, but I've yet to to kind of pinpoint a deck that I want to and I like the most out of everything that's out there right now. Well, as we're recording this, it's a really open field. We've just had uh, Theros Beyond Death released and so or pre-released, so it's just a big open world to be brewing and and doing cool things so we'll see where it goes now speaking of cool things have you had any fun weird memorable moments on arena maybe something that happened on stream and then all your all your uh, viewers there jumped up and and uh, screamed along with you uh the the killing somebody that was a 14 life and he was at minus 174 that was pretty awesome Mm -hmm. um and then um the playing the mono black devotion deck and we were completely dead the next turn Mm -hmm. and we chained bolus citadels to the win was pretty awesome too that's probably the two best arena moments that i've had in the last like couple of weeks Mm -hmm. um there's there's been some bad arena moments <laughs> that's mm-hmm. for sure no sure um but uh i mean i had a rankle in my hand i was playing against john food and my opponent um he had one mana left and he drew the cauldron familiar yeah. I, I i said all i have to do is for you not to draw a gilded goose or a cauldron familiar yeah fine because i can just swing with rankle because he had swung with corval yeah. I was like, I can swing with Rankle and make you sack. So mm-hmm. I can use Rankle to hit you for three and to make you sack your Corval. Mm-hmm. But he just drew it and I, oh, I got so mad on that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, of course you have to have it. Yeah. I think I've had some of those as well. Uh, I think two days ago, I was doing very well with that mono black devotion. And then suddenly I just started to uh, to mana flood and my opponent was was not and they were able to really recover and it. It just never came back together, even though I was doing very well in that game. And, and that, that's very disappointing when that happens, that you, it feels like the game is in your favor, and then maybe the RNG starts to get a little weird. And I know magic is a game of variance and all of that, and we have to accept it. But it really feels lame when, when, that, when that happens, when the tables turn so abruptly, when you feel that it's that the win is in your hands. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that um, that is one of my weaknesses. Are, um, sometimes I let my emotions get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second and third game when something like that happens yeah. um so i'm as a player i'm working on that um 
to, to better calm myself down mm-hmm. and make sure that, I, I mean, I say yes is variance, but, um, you know, sometimes when my opponent makes a mistake and that should cost them the game, but happens to, to get out of it because mm-hmm. of my unfortunate, you know, findings of the top deck in my library. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really sucks for me um, because I'm I'm one player that likes to capitalize on my opponent's mistakes. Hmm. And, and I do that very often. But, um, you know, sometimes when, when they make the mistake and they, and you know, they made a mistake that could cost them the game and it just somehow they crawl back Yeah, in a, Sometimes my emotions get the best of me. And like mm. I said, I'm as a player, I'm trying to make sure that I can control that. Um, and that's that's one of the things that I've been working on for the last couple of months. Uh, it used to be a lot worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest, play. I think I have a little bit of that as well. I think when I'm playing the ladder, you know, it's all just a game. And I'm not really trying to get to the upper echelons of play and all of that. But when I play on the ladder, uh, it does feel sometimes... Uh, demoralizing that wow they managed to top deck everything they needed and i'm flooding again and that sort of thing and so i think one thing that helps me is just um when i when i do the live streaming because i remember there is another person on the other side of the screen when i'm just playing on my own and just trying to do dailies or do the ladder a little bit on my own i just kind of tune out that the other person's a person and i i, I don't want to do that i want to know that there's someone else there so when i'm on stream and i have my stream uh, my chatters there and saying you know good job it didn't work out for you, et cetera, et cetera. And I get a little bit of that feedback and, and support that that's helpful to me at least, but yeah, I got to take it a little less serious sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's helpful for me too. Cause I mean, I have my view say, you know, that's not really your fault. It happens. And I mean, I know that it happens as well for me. Um, and it happens to everybody, but, um, I, the, the biggest part is it's not even when, when, um, you know, the cards are not in your hands. The the biggest one is when somebody makes a mistake that you know, you know, is gonna cost them the game, mm-hmm. and that's that's the biggest. That's my biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the that's when I get the most upset mm-hmm. at, at the game. Um, thankfully, uh, I've I've not smashed any controllers like my husband has with <laughs> his PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, in in a couple of the games that we play together but um i mean on the table i have slapped the table <laughs> a couple of times on yeah. stream and um you know my viewer said you know don't worry about it it happened yeah. you know you played the way that you know any pro played that game you know you you did exactly what you needed to do you played the game you know 100 correct you can't let those things kind of uh get you yeah so yeah, it, it happens. Well, maybe this segues us into the next question. What is one thing you'd like to improve about Magic? Either the, the game, the community, the, the software itself, or the company, or anything that comes to mind? Well, I want Chana Fireball to not be doing Grand Prix events. Because mm. they suck, um, and I, it sucks. Because I'm I'm trying to call them out like that on on a stream, but um, they and I'm to actually let me let me rephrase that. 
Um, because this is not necessarily Channel Fireball's fault. It's more of Wizards of the Coast's fault for giving them a monopoly in two Grand Prix events. Mm-hmm. I understand why they did it. Um, I I knew some people in Star City that were higher ups. Um, when the Wiz- when Wizards of the Coast gave Channel Fireball the ability to do all the Grand Prix, I went back and talked to some people on Facebook that I know, and I'm like scratching my head over here. And I'm saying, you know, what happened? Because Star City, you know, was doing events, mm-hmm. uh, Grand Prix events. And I said, you know, what happened, guys? <laughs> you know, did you not want to do Grand Prix events anymore? Like, the wizard just smugged you off? Like, what mm-hmm. happened there? Um, but Star City wanted to focus on their own SG tour, which, I mean, I applaud them. They're doing a really, really fine job. And that's kind of why a lot of people have been going to their circuits more than uh, Grand Prix circuits. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, Wizards giving Monopoly to Channel Fireball is probably one of the worst decisions that they've made in the past few years. And I do wish that they would give... um, that they would give somebody else the chance to do that too, because maybe Channel Fireball needs competition on knowing how to run a a Grand Prix and not being, I guess, greedy with um with players. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of players do not like the fact that there's there's no coverage anymore in certain yeah. Grand Prix events, and we're kind of like throwing our heads up in the air. Um. I heard it at uh, a few days ago that um, somebody offered Channel Fireball to to do the stream, and they and Channel Fireball wanted to charge them. Oh wow! Um, so uh, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, I do believe it though, but um, you know, I, I could say well. I'm not I'm not 100% on that story. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't really asked anybody if that was true, but if it is true, that's kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. Because the coverage in Grand Prix events has been a little bit weird lately and I just wish that it was back to the way it was before where they let um a bunch of companies do the Grand Prix events. I know it's a little bit of out of uniform and that's what wizards was trying not to do and i applaud them for trying Mm -hmm. but um that's that's one of the things that maybe they need to go back on um and if if an event coordinator is just not doing their job um well then maybe the next year they don't get that contract Mm -hmm. um and they give it to somebody else and try it out and I know it's a lot of you know changing and such for those uh, for those events, but it was working fine before. Um, I don't know why they fixed something that wasn't broken. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot to digest and a lot to figure out. What do you think about wizards listening to feedback? So obviously, you know your feedback about uh, maybe not it maybe it not being a monopoly. Do you think wizards listens? enough to the players uh, on these various aspects to correct course? They, I know they're listening to the players, but um, maybe they're not acting um, right away with stuff, with, which can be good or a bad thing. Um, you mm-hmm. know, because if, if they acted right away with something and it just was not 
the solution, then, um, you know, other people will be throwing their hands up and it will be worse. It will mm-hmm. be an angry mob. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I do think they do listen to players, but uh, maybe they just haven't found the actual solution for it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, there's stuff that you and I don't know uh, what goes on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but um, it, it can... There's some solutions out there that people have posted and maybe maybe Wizards needs to take a look at that and kind of see, maybe talk to, to some other coordinators in the game and see if those things, uh, or at least hear some feedback from, from, you know, Star City, from Cascade, from Pastime, mm-hmm. um, you know, even Channel Fireball, from Power Nine, you know, from people just asking them, do you think this is going to work? Do you think mm-hmm. the public is going to react well for it? Um, and maybe not just hearing one, you know, just from Channel Fireballs. Maybe asking some other tournament organizers out there that have a voice in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of pros, you know, play for TCG Player and Star City and such. So mm-hmm. maybe try to get their input and see what they would do. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best that the company can do at the least, that it does listen to the players that play their game because the players that play their game buy their game and it yeah. keeps them funded. And if the company's funded, they keep making more cards for people to play and people keep playing and people keep paying and everyone's happy. So obviously that's very simplistic, but I hope that uh, Wizards does listen because they seem to, at least on the digital front, they seem to listen on that stuff. Like there was going to be two wild cards per historic card and they walk that back and, you know, um, they've made some changes there. So hopefully they will implement some of that listening that they do for the digital stuff to the back to the real world stuff. I wish they would because um, I'm very happy right now and the feedback that they have taken from Arena um, and implemented that in, you know, various things. You know, Mm -hmm. they're bringing, they're trying to bring the eight-player drafts in Arena, which people have been asking for that a long time. Uh, With Pioneer, um, you know, being a new format, uh, obviously players want to play Pioneer in Arena. Um, and I want to play modern and legacy, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're kind of bringing some of them to the table. So they're working on that. I really do wish, you know, like you said, that they, they do listen to us, um, you know, outside of the digital content that they produce, because, mm-hmm. um, I know, I know a couple of my friends, um, cause channel fireball released the schedule, um, for a little bit of this coming year and Mm -hmm. so far there's no legacy grand prix Mm -hmm. and a lot of people are not happy about so Mm -hmm. um i mean i know that's not um wizard's fault that's more on channel fireball maybe but um you know wizards could make a suggestion to channel fireball on that Mm -hmm. um or maybe you know channel fireball is saying hey we should do a legacy gp and it might be you know the other way around yeah but um that's some of that secret stuff that we don't know yeah that's all that secret stuff that we don't know um and i mean earlier last year there was a whole artist strike on you yeah. know which artists were going to grand prix event and, and which you know a bunch of them sign a open letter to channel fireball and mm-hmm. um 
there the solution that a couple came up with was pretty easy to do um i'm surprised channel fireball hasn't thought about it i know people are gonna complain but um if all the players you know even the challenge events or, or whatnot that they have you know command zone if everybody would pay like an extra five bucks um you would have enough money to get you know five six artists to a grand prix event and pay for their hotel pay yeah. for their plane ticket um and you know if they have a spouse or whatever uh you know they don't necessarily have to pay for them but um if if they just eased it up for for artists to you know even their hotel and their plane ticket just for them mm -hmm. and not charge them for a boot for a booth like they're doing um, i know rk post um because if you have one table you don't get charged but if you get like the two side tables as an artist you're getting charged yeah. uh 500 bucks per table mm -hmm. and as an artist in the grand prix you don't you know after you have to pay for your hotel for your for your flight you don't make uh enough money to do that yeah. sometimes uh at these events if a grand prix is low attendance and you're scrambling yourself sometimes you're losing money there yeah and I just wish Channel Fireball would make some way of fixing that because there is a community out that wants to see those artists at events and some are really bummed mm -hmm. because some artists have signed their names to this list of artists that will not attend events until Channel Fireball does something mm -hmm. to, to make things better. Yeah, I think that was something that was necessary for them to do to call attention to what's going on. Sometimes as a fan, as a player, you don't see some of these things going on. So that, uh, you know, speaking up about these things is is, is important. And I hope that the, all parties involved hear each other and then try to implement solutions for the future for this game that we all enjoy. Absolutely. I mean, something needs to happen. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of that... Uh, we talked about some things where magic could improve, but if we take for granted that magic is the greatest game in the world, I think everyone on this podcast agrees on that. Mm -hmm. um, what would be one thing that you can say that you love about magic? The fact that um, the, <clears throat> the movement wave that they've done with the digital and the marketing um, for the, the new sets that they have gone um, I like the way that their marketing has become. Um, it's it's drawing more people into the game. Um, Arena is drawing a lot of people into the game because of you know it's you can potentially not have to pay money and grind yourself in there. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the best grind, but <laughs> it's doable. And you know sometimes you can be you know a dad that comes home at night um, and you know, open up arena, do a couple of dailies, do a couple of stuff, get a couple packs, open the packs, you know, oh, I have wild cards. Oh, I got this. I got that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's making the game more accessible to, to players. Um, I really like that. I really like the way that, um, Watsy has done with marketing, uh, themselves to, <clears throat> to the casual community and, you know, they're doing a really good job, so I hope they keep doing that. 
Mm-hmm. I was very impressed with the War of the Spark trailer. I thought it was very cinematic. A uh, great choice of uh, of a cover of a great song, and the animation was great. Everyone was saying that animation of these trailers has really improved uh, compared to the old, like you know, what were they described as, like a paper cutout type of animation. Yep. Um, this is like, uh, this was way more polished, like it could have been a real CGI movie and such. And then I think Throne of Eldraine was also very impressive. It's trailer, yeah. it was lighthearted, it was interesting, it was dramatic and everything. And then the latest one with uh, 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 Elspeth in the underworld and then yep. all of that, that was pretty amazing. And then uh, let me go help that little girl. And then she turns around, whoops, nightmare child. So yep. that was all very impressive. I, I totally agree that the marketing of it is, is doing very well. I think it'd be really cool to see the next level of it to just show more advertising for the game in more places because I uh, one of my hobbies is uh, I, I like uh, comic books and I've been a comic book fan since like uh, 1987 and I remember there were lots of um, magic ads in the late 90s early 2000s and I haven't really seen any in the world of comic books and what I'm getting at is that I hope that uh, Wizards just puts more advertising for the game everywhere. Like I want to see, I want to see billboards about Magic Arena, or you know, I want to see um, ads in in on TV about Magic. So I think they need to tap into just more places to to put the word out for the game because I bet there's so many players that played when they were younger, when they were in high school, and when they're in college, whatever, gave it up, started a, a family, whatever. And then now magic is still around. Oh, cool. I remember that. Oh, and it's in a digital game that I can play for free. Oh, cool. I'll try that out. So I think they really need to lean on their, on their marketing. Well, I know that, um, magic, the gathering, um, I mean, this day, but, um, well, not way back, but this was a while back. Um, they did comics, for uh, Magic the Gathering, yeah, and I don't think that worked out too well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know the ads didn't really work out too well for them. Mm. But um, as far as the billboard ads and you know maybe more marketing and you know everyday ads, TV and such, um, especially in places like Cartoon Network or um, yeah. you know even Boomerang, uh, try to get the younger crowd into it because. Um, I know um, one of the things as is I, I dig myself into the financial aspect of the game too, and I know that mom and dad's credit cards are a thing <laughs> when it comes to kids. And sometimes, you know, you need to draw the kid um, and convince the mom and dad to whip out that credit card. Yeah. So, and you're right. You know, maybe some of these ads in you know afternoon. TV or you know, uh, night TV can can be a thing. Uh, billboards and and such. I do remember seeing um, a couple of ads on YouTube when War of the Sparks and Throne came out. Yeah. Um, so uh, I haven't seen ones with the um, the new Theros yet on YouTube. So I don't know if they maybe scaled down on that um, from before. But uh, one thing that I know is Hasbro does not like to put out too much money, even though they do have <laughs> money to do. But uh, maybe that's something that um, Wizards of the Coast wants to do uh, and yeah. wants to branch out, but maybe Hasbro is preventing them from doing that. Um, that that could be a thing, and I think that might be what it is, because they are trying to appeal to 
to the audience that is not playing the game these trailers um that kind of look like a video game trailer mm-hmm. um so i do think they're working on it and they're making things happen as far as that so maybe that is something that um wizards is working on with hasbro to kind of say hey you know we have the we have the the trailer and the you know the advertising ready to to go into to that side of the spectrum but we need your help yeah or approval or whatever yeah exactly Mm -hmm. well i hope they continue to create high quality trailers that build hype and just reach out to as many places as possible to let people know that the game exists. I know that um, sometimes people are like, wow, that game is still around. I remember it from back in the day. And yeah, it's been around 25 years, and I'm sure it'll be around 25 more, as long as they're able to tap into all the possible avenues to reach the target audience. Well, um, I do think magic is going to be around. Um, As far as paper magic, I don't think it's going to be around for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. They're already starting to get into the eSports kind of ordeal. Um, So I don't see Paper Magic being a thing. And it's probably not going to be the near future, but I could see Paper Magic kind of going away in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I do see people still play Paper Magic just for the nostalgia of it. Sure, But um, I I definitely see um, Arena and such being the gateway and possibly the only gateway to, you know, to doing that. Um, I know they're doing it with the Mythic Championships where they have, you know, qualifiers uh, on Arena. And if you, you know, get past the day, you know, with X, I think X1 or whatever, you get to go to, to a big event and they have computers there. So I see that being the way that big events happen. Basically, um, I see that happening in the future. I see Star City could potentially get into that when they go into into their events, mm-hmm. have people you know play at home. Um, and this way, they only have to get... You know, instead of, you know, a whole weekend of events, they only maybe have to rent out a facility for, you know, a day or two instead of three. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely see Magic going the esports route. Um, and it's already happening. Um, people need to embrace it. <laughs> this is coming. Mm-hmm. Well, what people need to embrace is that we're going to be playing Arena on holographic implants in our brains very soon. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it, it might be, you know. You, um, but I, I do see the Arena being the new, the new way. Yeah, and and I see it. I see it in the future. A lot of a lot of people are are saying the same thing I am, mm-hmm. and they're seeing the the steps that other games have taken to do the same thing and those games have succeeded and i know wizards of the Coast has seen that and i mean why not take advantage of it mm-hmm. and from a from a financial aspect um they they would be as far as the local gaming stores it sucks for them because yeah. if they go that route 
yeah, they might print product for the nostalgia of the game, but you know, most people are just gonna sell their cards and mm. start playing Arena at that point. So yep. we'll see what happens. We're we're living it. We've been around Magic for for a while, and we're gonna be with it, and we'll see where it goes. And um, hopefully, enough people will be happy with it that it keeps continuing, and we we keep Magic alive. Oh, like I said, I think magic will stay alive for a while. It's just paper magic itself. Um, I could see it in the future not being a thing. Mm -hmm. Well, on to the final question. Um, even though we're talking about magic, which is obviously the best hobby of all, <laughs> there are other hobbies that exist, I guess. So are there any non-magic hobbies that you're into? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, um, I, I collect, uh, magic art and, um, non-original, I mean, uh, non-magic art from, uh, some of the magic artists, um, and then some artists that are not magic artists, but, um, the other hobby that takes the, um, the amount of time, uh, a little bit of my time is Elder Scrolls Online on PlayStation 4 mm. and the North American server. Um, I mean, I'm pretty good at it. I'm in the end game community there. Uh, I cons consider myself kind of middle of the pack there. Mm. And I mean, the, the end game community is very small. Uh, we're a very tight knit group. And, you know, some of those people are actually pretty good players. And some of them actually play magic too. Mm. So it's, it's great. It all feeds into itself. Oh, yeah. One of my hobbies is I've gotten back into drawing. I've always liked drawing. And every few years, I do like a drawing a day challenge sort of thing, which is you're supposed to draw something every day for the whole year. And I think the first time I did that was in 2011. And I went around like 250 days or something out of the whole year. Mm -hmm. And then a few years later, I tried it again. And I went about halfway through the year. And then maybe another year later or so I did it again and I went another halfway through. So for 2020, for the brand new decade, I'm trying it again. And so far, I have been doing it every day so far. So 19 drawings so far. After this podcast, I'm going to do the 20th drawing of the day of the year uh, and publish that. So that's my other hobby at the moment, just trying to sketch and draw and just uh, get back into the swing of it because I used to draw on a regular basis. Yeah, um, I know a couple of the artists that I follow on uh, Twitter and such. They they do, uh, I think it's in October. They do like a whole month of October and they do a sketch day or something like that. Yeah, it's Inktober. Inktober, yes, that is correct. Um, and there's some really nice stuff that comes out of there. Um, I've bought a couple of stuff from um, ah. certain artists during that. Um, and man, there's some crazy things that come out of that, uh, that month. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, I've yet to frame some of them, but they are going to get framed pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many talented people out there in the world, and it's really cool that we can connect with them nowadays on their Twitter or Instagram or, or whatever. And then seeing the digital version and perhaps buying the real life version is really cool, right? You see something on, on, on a phone or tablet or whatever, and then you buy the original piece and you get even more enjoyment out of it because you see all the details in the real world. Uh, details of the of the item right oh yes and then sometimes um you know you get a a piece um obviously this is this is a magic piece but um my husband 
gave me um, a magic original art for our first uh, wedding anniversary, mm. this paper. Um, <laughs> and I actually got a piece. Uh, it's Fling, the promo Fling yeah. on the with the DCI. But that piece was not supposed to be Fling. It, it was supposed to be called Ray of Commandeering. But Wizards never got that out and they had the artwork mm. so they just used it for fling well, that's interesting um, so that's you know something that i have um as well um one like there's so many good artists out there and the the details you know from like you said from a tablet to to you know the actual thing is amazing mm -hmm. and i highly suggest for people that to to look into that because if you really enjoy art and um, you enjoy looking at it, you're going to love. And believe it or not, there's a lot of people that love MTG art. And it's expensive. And I, <laughs> unless you have deep pockets, do not get into it because yeah. it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah, I sometimes see people online that they're sharing something and it's just really cool. Like, wow, that is the piece that was used to make this card that I'm playing with. But someone owns the original of it and it's just so cool. Yeah, and I mean, some people have have asked me for, because they know that I own some of the original stuff. They've asked me to sell it to them. And I mean, I've I've been asked to sell Fling. <laughs> and obviously i'm not gonna sell it unless i completely have to because that's yeah. a wedding anniversary gift yeah but um you'd be surprised like there's people out there that want some of the artwork that's been just kind of on my walls just chilling um <laughs> and i had one of my artworks go to to a magic uh show um gallery event recently Mm. that um that had some magic artists showcasing their artwork so mm -hmm. it was it was pretty nice to have um uh, a winona nelson piece that i had tragic arrogance i don't know if you played with it um which piece well, actually tragic arrogance i don't think you did because that was back with uh cons yeah. um but it was a it was a white card that just it was a wrath of god it was a wiper mm -hmm. but um yeah, I actually got lucky and I bought that piece from Winona Nelson and it was shown in a gallery <laughs> um, for the past two months. It's on my way back now, mm -hmm. but uh, I was it was pretty cool having that opportunity to have your, you know, your property being shown in a gallery show. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, is it for sale? Yeah, uh, not right now. Mm hmm. Well, I think if I fell into that trap of buying magic art, I'd probably buy the art from like the the vintage era that I, that I'm from, but pro probably not the most famous people like um, you know Anson Maddox or whatever. I'd buy like some of the less famous people, but still art that I love. Like there was a there's this husband and wife team. Um, uh, Phil and Kaya. Yes, Foglio. exactly. I'd buy some of the Foglio artwork. Uh, I love some of their early stuff from back in the day. Uh, there's a lot of great, like Quentin Hoover art. Unfortunately, he's passed on. Um, but he, some of his art, especially like Atacar Unicorn, one of my favorite arts mm -hmm. from Ice Age. So uh, I might buy some of that old vintage stuff, but that's probably even more expensive than nowadays. So maybe not. That that is pretty expensive. Uh, I know the last time. Um, I mean, Black Lotus was on yeah. sale. Um, 
probably about a year ago mm-hmm. and the price tag on that was two million dollars i so, bet yeah um and the others were that were alpha and beta were like 1.5 mil i think he had some of the moxes and and god knows what what else but um I mean, some of that earlier stuff is very expensive. Um, I wish I could own it, yeah. but uh, my pocket says otherwise. <laughs> well, all you have to do is somehow get in on the will of all of those people, and when they pass on, they'll bequeath it to you. Oh, I hope so. Um, <laughs> I hope so, but I mean, it's, it's I'm very doubtful that will happen, but... Yes. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my uh, one of my favorite artists, Scott Murphy, will put me in his will. Yeah, and, you know, give me some artwork because yeah. I sure, I sure own a, a quite a bit of his right now. Oh, very cool. So maybe, maybe he'll be nice to me and put me in his will to give me some more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we wind down, uh, do you want to share your social media presence again one more time? Yes, uh, it's twitch.tv slash the Cuban MTGer. And you can find me on Twitter at the Cuban MTGer. Um, obviously, on Facebook, I'm Patricia Johnson. Um, if, if you see a bunch of people that are mutual friends with me that are Magic players, that's probably the Patricia Johnson that you're looking <laughs> for. So, because there's a whole lot of Patricia Johnsons there. Well, what you've got to do is on your uh, on your little photo there on Facebook, make sure you're like holding some magic paraphernalia just to identify you. <laughs> or have a lot of friends that are magic players. Yeah, uh, that's that's usually how people find me. Um, it's mainly by the mutual friends, or they see, hey, you're friends with Jerry Thompson. Because mm-hmm. um, back when I was in college, when SCG was starting out i actually worked for um the stream team of scg Hmm. so i got to know a lot of people like todd anderson um and his wife callie and jt i got to and you know brad nelson Mm -hmm. i got to know them a little bit better than some other people probably got the opportunity to so i still talk to todd i still talk to jerry a lot um so they're Mm -hmm. cool guys they're cool folks oh very nice as for myself, I'm pretty much VM Campos all over the place. I'm on Twitter. I, I tweet all the time. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I'm on YouTube and Twitch. I stream on Saturdays, 11 p.m. Pacific time on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, the thing is, though, you have to put VM Campos JR on YouTube, but I'm just VM Campos on Twitch. And I'm also on Patreon if people want to check out my uh my stuff on patreon it's a one dollar pledge to get access to the exclusive stuff or they can just follow for free and get alerted to all of the great stuff that i do for free if people want to go to the two dollar pledge i will actually mail them a vintage magic card in thanks but no not a black lotus and uh that's the various places people can find me so so the cuban empty gear thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much for having me man it's it's really appreciated This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.